Good morning and happy Wednesday. It is October 12th at 7 a.m. and you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. You know, every day I say I'm so happy to be with you and I want to put a little context behind it today. Before I come into the studio or as I come into the studio in the morning, one of the first things I do is open up a couple of Catholic news sites and I just peruse what's in the news of the day. And more and more I see out there things that are happening that are just plainly against the truth. I mean, if we have common sense, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we can see and hear things and know them to be true. And yet sometimes the world tells us, no, you're not seeing what you think you're seeing or you're not hearing what you think you're hearing. And it is so good to be here with you on this show, on this network, each and every day, seeking the face of truth himself, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And through him, we would come to know God the Father and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I can't imagine living in this world without the joy that comes with that, without the strength that comes from that relationship, and without the grace that is so necessary that only comes from God. It doesn't come from me. And uh, being here with you is such a great, just a great way of lifting myself up, and I hope of lifting you up too, to say, all right, the world may tell us one thing, but we're going to go out and we're going to strive for holiness. We're going to strive for sainthood. To begin, let's begin as we do every day with prayer, because that's where it all starts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I really mean that. I, I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on today with Kelly Walquist uh, about women coming together and seeking our Lord and the joy of that. But for all of us, if we didn't have this place to come together to be edified by one another, um, to be encouraged by one another, as Patty Schneier does for us every day in the Daily Dose of Encouragement, but you do for us. You know, let's make that very clear. When you send the feedback into the station, it, it, it gets to me. It gets to us, and it's so encouraging to know that we're making a difference in your lives. Today on the show, we are going to be hearing from Kelly Walquist from Wine. That's Women in the New Evangelization. And then we're also going to continue talking about building discipline with Doug Berry. And we've got uh, a new guest on the show today, Blake Brouillette from Christ in the City. And I'll tell you what, every now and then you get a name like that, Brouillette. He's a great guy. I've enjoyed speaking with him so far and getting ready for today. And I said, Blake, you got to help me remember your last name. And he said, think Romeo and Juliet, but it's Blake Brouillette. I'm like, all right, I got it. We're going to get through this interview today uh, with him. I'm really excited about Christ in the City and, and the good work they're doing. I'm really excited about everything on the show today. We've got some music for you. We've got a catechism. We've got the Daily Dose of Encouragement, all of that. Uh, most important, my daughter asked me, Dad, is it going to storm all day today? I said, I don't know. But luckily, I know someone that does know. So let's go now to Mike Roberts for today's weather. Today is the feast day of the Blessed Virgin Mary as Mother of the Church. 
In the fourth century, St. Ambrose of Milan first referred to the Blessed Mother as Mother of the Church, but somehow the title and reference became lost and unused until the 20th century when it was rediscovered by a German Jesuit, Hugo Rahner, older brother of Karl Rahner. Then, in 1964, as he was closing the third session of the Second Vatican Council, Pope Paul VI, in his Credo of the People, made the title official. We declare Mary, the most holy mother of the church, that is, of all Christian people. St. Pope John Paul II placed it in the Catechism of the Roman Catholic Church, and Pope Francis added it to the Roman calendar. Blessed Virgin Mary, mother of the church, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We like to keep tabs on what's happening in the local community, and we're happy to share with you that Immaculate Conception Parish in Darden Prairie is hosting wine. Women in the New Evangelization, it's a powerful Friday night, Saturday event called by name. And here with us from Women in the New Evangelization is Kelly Walquist. Kelly, it's good to have you on the show today. Well, thanks, Adam. It's great to be here. It's good to talk about wine, right? Right, right. I imagine that's one of the questions that you hear quite a bit. You do what? You work with wine? Are you a vendor? Are you a rep? That's not what this is. This is all about women in the new evangelization. So give us a little bit of the background. Where did wine start? How did this come about? It actually started in Napa, and I was at the Napa Institute. Beautiful Catholic conference. Really well done. And we were at the Trinitas Cellars, named after the Trinity. We're sitting on our little veranda overlooking the vineyard that had this gorgeous statue of the Blessed Mother. And I happened to just pull up my news feed on my computer, and it was 2013, and Pope Francis had just become Pope, and he had called for a deeper, more profound theology of women. And so he had said that in an interview, and I'm like, wow, what is he asking? So I quickly sent out an email to 20 women who are leaders within the Catholic realm, different ministries and apostolates, and invited them to come to Minnesota for a weekend, just prayer and discerning. What is Jesus asking us women through his vicars? And it was about three months away, we had set the date, and I thought, you know what, these women are the busiest women in the world three will show up. <laughs> so we had 17 women come together to pray about this. We had intentional prayer. We left there. We all had a holy hour. We were really intent on praying about this. And what I heard in my heart was, whereas the Lord said to St. Francis, rebuild my church, I heard, heal my body. The body of Christ is battered, bruised, and broken. And I need you as women working these beautiful gifts. I've given you in your womanhood to be sensitive and generous and receptive and maternal, because it doesn't matter physically given birth or not. As women, we're endowed with these beautiful gifts, the feminine genius, as St. John Paul referred to them. And so from that sprung forth wine. And what we really wanted to do was elevate women in their giftedness in order to then heal and build up the body of Christ. And there are so many good women's programs, books, retreats, conferences. Okay, how do we promote everything out there? that is good for women. And so that's where wine came for us from. Wine, it's really an introduction to relationship with other women. Now, Adam, I wish I could take credit for the name, but I can't. I was telling a sister in Florida, we were talking about it, and I was explaining to her what was on my heart and that I wanted this movement, and I wanted to be able to promote all out there that is so good. And I said, I want to call it something like Women in the New Evangelization. And she said, well, call it that. And I said, well, sister, that's a mouthful. And she said, no, it's not. It's wine. And I was like, oh, it's brilliant. And we really take our 
inspiration from Scripture. So it comes from John 2, 5. It's Mary's final words to us at the wedding of Cana, where she says, do whatever he tells you. And we just contend that as women, we're radically relational. And it's easier to do the will of God when you have your sisters in Christ supporting you, nurturing you, encouraging you, praying for you. So you just got olive wine in a nutshell. There you have it. I'm smiling right now. I stopped using the term coincidental a while back, and I really look at it as providential that God in his providence allows these moments to line up. You're literally at a vineyard when you come up with this idea, when the Holy Spirit prompts it, it ends up being called wine. And yet, how often, you know, in the gospel, you gave us that ultimate passage, the Blessed Mother, when they run out of wine, says, do whatever he tells you, and now you're being told to do whatever he tells you. And how prominently women have figured in the story of salvation, both in the Old Testament and in the Gospels and in the life of the church. This is really wonderful. So this is not something that is just limited then to conferences here and there. Happy that you're coming to Darden Prairie. So what we have is that we do have this conference, like you were saying, it's, it's called Called by Name, and it's in Darden Prairie, and that's on November 5th. So it's a Saturday. Everyone is invited to that. You can go to catholicvineyard.com and learn more about that. We have an option to come on Friday night if you'd like for a kind of fun dinner. But that's one of the things where we really get women together from all around. You'll notice, like the ladies, when they come to this, they're going to meet the West Texas wine girls. You know, like we have a West Texas wine team that is just powerful. And they just have this bond. Like they will come, they'll be in... Darden Prairie, and they'll meet the women that are on the core team there. And it's this instant bond. It is the charism of wine. Wine has a charism of unity. And I think that's something that's so powerful. There's, it's not competitive. One thing we have besides, obviously, the conferences, we have book clubs, but they're book clubs, Bible studies. I always say there's four characteristics of wine. The first one is a sisterhood. It doesn't matter where you are spiritually. On your journey, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or 98. The second one is Scripture and prayer. So everything we do is drenched in Scripture and prayer. Every one of our book clubs, you are going to be in Scripture. Every book club has Lexio Divina in it. And then our third characteristic, I always say, is the aha moments of the faith. So if you're at something at wine or you're at the book, you know, you're in your book club, you're in your Bible study, your wine Bible study, you're going to have these aha moments of the faith. And I think that's so important when you just, you discover like why we do what we do. And then our fourth characteristic we always say is just the beauty. Every, you'll notice everything with wine, women in the new evangelization is beautiful. Just down to the decorations, everything, the, the graphics, and even the joy that we feel when we're together is a sign of this great beauty that God draws us in with. And so that's why when you go on our wine website, catholicvineyard.com, and you can go to you know, like our book club offerings, everything's there for anyone who wants to have one of the wine book club books. And it's not that you necessarily need to become like, oh, we're a wine group, because like I said, wine is about promoting all the good women's ministries out there. But you can just add wine to what you're doing, and it always enhances, right? <laughs> Enhances the meal and enhances this as well. We've got a lot of different things. Here's the reality. 
all of us are looking for that group of friends. And it's a question of, are we going to be in the group of friends that's going to make us holy, or are we going to be in the group of friends that's going to drag us down? I don't know about you, but I want to be with the group of friends that's going to help me to become a saint. And so while I am not a woman in the new evangelization, I can tell you right now, I am so happy that you're out there doing this. And I can only imagine for those women in the groups that are married, the effect that this has on their whole household, but how great it is for all of the women involved in wine. You can get more information at catholicvineyard.com. The event is Saturday, November 5th at Immaculate Conception Parish in Darden Prairie, Missouri. All the registration information is at catholicvineyard.com. And if you go there by October 15th, you can get a little discount on your registration. So be sure to check that out. Kelly, I want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. We are going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. We've been talking with Doug Berry this week about building discipline and how we successfully do that in our lives, whether it's something temporal, something spiritual, something physical, something mental. Uh, you know, the same tactics are going to apply pretty much in all of these arenas in life. And yesterday we were talking about the small steps to get there as perhaps a way of building a discipline. We've, we started the week talking about what is the why behind all of this. Today we're going to kind of look at this from a different angle here. The consequence of not doing it. And Doug, you know, I shared earlier about trying to get into the habit of running. And I have been losing a good amount of weight this year. But one day, somebody I know, somebody in my life, I found out had two strokes and a heart attack all in the course of a week out of nowhere. Lucky to be alive, right? We've all heard those stories. And I was looking at where I was at on the scale and I was looking at those pictures of my kids, and I said, I don't have a choice in this. To let this go, the consequences of not doing this, it's, it's just too high a price to pay. Yeah, that's a great realization to come to. And a lot of people don't, or they come to it very late in the course of whatever the problem is. The consequence of not taking care of your engine, your car, changing the oil. I know someone, a young man who, you know, the engine light was on, the oil light was on, but he just kind of ignored it. Yeah, I got more time. I got more time. It's not that big of a deal. And he never took it in. And then one day the engine literally seized up, which means it's completely done. <laughs> you cannot come back from that unless you tear the entire thing apart. So the consequence of not changing the oil in the car and realizing that he was losing oil little by little, and pretty soon there was not enough oil in the engine block and it seized up and the whole engine was completely shot. The consequence of not taking care of our health, same thing as you just mentioned. So many stories of people who end up in a world of hurt. Now, one of the things that I've talked about a lot for years when I travel and speak is the reality that God does have our lives held in his hands, but he gives us free will to do much with that life. In paragraph 2288 in the Catechism says that life and health are precious gifts from God and that we have a responsibility to be reasonably healthy. And that is in the Catechism, everyone. But a lot of people struggle with that because we think, well, it's not about the body. It's not about the health. God's not worried about that. That's not true. God gave us health and life as a gift. 
So the consequence of not taking care of health and life is, honestly, we could be taken off this battlefield, this spiritual battlefield, much sooner than we maybe should be. And I know many people out there over the years, even some very good Catholic people, I won't mention names, a good priest friend of mine years ago was an amazing preacher, an amazing evangelist, died in his mid-upper 40s. Both his kidneys had failed. He wasn't taking care of his health. He was terribly out of shape and ended up dying, drowning on fluid in his lungs because of medication issues and so forth. I say that's a loss, okay? Now, someone say, well, God took him. Well, God is permissive in his will as well as positive in his will, and he permits us to fall into the destructive consequences. And so the consequence of not having a beautiful faith is that we can run into losing our souls for all eternity in hell. The consequence throughout the day-to-day life of not having a prayer life is you're going to find yourself much less happy. You're not going to find the joy in life. You're not going to be able to get through the struggles as well. The consequence of not taking care of your physical health is, as you mentioned, strokes, heart attacks, you know, not having that energy that you used to have or could have not being ready to care for those to the degree that, that God has entrusted to your care, we could go on and on. Everybody, I think, is it's just wise for us to look at, and I have to do it every day too, look at the things in my life that I know I should be taking care of and take an inventory of how important these things are and what really matters and what's really good. And then understand the consequence of not taking care of them, not having the good discipline to take care of them, what that can result in can be catastrophic on many levels. And other people, without a doubt, will be affected by your decisions, good or bad. It sounds like what we're saying essentially is, you know, go back to the first part of this week, start with the why. What is the why behind what we're doing? The why may be, I want this specific thing to happen, but it also may be, I do not want this specific thing to happen. And the consequence of not building this discipline would be that peril. So, uh, you know, it's something we should take a look at, Doug. Yeah, absolutely, Adam. We need to because there's too much at stake and there's too many people that are affected by these things. And we want to be the best we can be in the eyes of God and make our, make the best gift of ourselves to others, as St. John Paul always said. All right. Well, I look forward to continuing the conversation tomorrow. Doug Barry, have a great day. Thanks, Adam. You too, brother. A prayer for priests. Oh, my God. Help those priests who are faithful to remain faithful. To those who are falling, stretch forth your divine hand, that they may grasp it as their support. In the great ocean of your mercy, lift those poor unfortunate ones who have fallen, that being engulfed therein, they may receive the grace to return to your great loving heart. Amen. Precious blood of Jesus, protect them. As we continue to get ready for the Focus Seat Conference to take place here in the region in the month of January, we wanted to reach out to some of the other ministries and organizations that are going to be coming to our fair city and get to know those who will be visiting with us. I'm very happy to have with us on Roadmap to Heaven today, Blake Brouillette. And he gave me a good way to remember that. Uh, But don't ask me to spell it, Blake, or we'll be in (laughs) trouble. Blake is the Managing Director of Christ in the City, which is uh, an outreach to the homeless. And Blake, I think all of us, no matter where we live, we encounter this problem of those who go without housing on a daily basis. And as the years go on, it's become much more prevalent and noticeable. And I think we're all 
faced with that question of what do we do? And we're happy to have you on the show to talk about that today. But first, give us a little bit of background. I know you've been with Christ in the City for a while, um, but not since the beginning. So tell us how this all got started. Yeah, Adam, thank you for having me today. We are thrilled as well to have the Focus Conference in St. Louis this year. And we're actually going to be hitting the streets during lunchtime with some of the college students uh, in downtown St. Louis. So we'll, uh, I'm sure there'll be more to say about that later. But yeah, my, my journey with Christ in the City was really um, the usual college student didn't want to go to, you know, South Padre Island for spring break, knew I needed something for my soul or I was going to lose it. And went to uh, Christ in the City as a sophomore in college, really thinking that this program, like I was going to go and give the homeless something. I was convinced that I was going to, because as we are, right, we love to fix problems. And I'm like, I'm going to go and fix the problem. I'm going to go give a hot meal. And that's just going to, you know, help someone get off the streets or point them to housing and, you know, all the other things we, we can dream of sometimes with, with our own ministry and our own efforts. And I ended up on the streets of Denver. And the first thing that struck me was this community at Christ in the city, these young adult volunteers were the most joyful, happy, welcoming people I had encountered in my life. Yet they were experiencing some of the greatest sufferings the the city of Denver, right? The United States had to offer on the streets. And then I went to the streets and realized the homeless didn't need a single material thing from me. Some of them wanted a bottle of water, very, very much so, right? It's it's March and water's great in March and some needed a pair of socks here or there, but they really just, they, they knew where the resources were better than I was at them. And, and it hit me, it hit me so hard. I went back to college and really saw this, like this poverty of loneliness that mother Teresa talks about in the Western world. I saw that in myself. I saw that in those I encountered on the streets and I went back to college and started seeing that in my fraternity brothers, those at the, the local Newman Center, those in my family and extended friends and all sorts of people and just realized that this poverty of loneliness is really what it's at. And the community life at Christ in the City kept drawing me back, right? That community life and bringing that to the homeless. So I did uh, two more years of mission trips and then I graduated college in 2015, became a year-long volunteer for two years and have been on staff for the last five. So if you had to encapsulate the mission of Christ in the city, maybe into one or two sentences, because, I mean, it sounds like you went into this with the mindset, I'm going to go out there and attack the problem, and really, yeah. um, instead of serving, it, it was more that you ended up being served. So how would you encapsulate that mission, then, of Christ in the city? Yeah, and to, to speak on that first, though, it's I think I didn't know what the problem was, right? And it's not that I... It's I went to solve that material problem, and so many of us think that's the issue, but we're not. The material goods must be met, right? We must meet those basics, but there's something deeper, right? And I think that's what the mission of Christ in the city, we are a a missionary formation program. We bring in these young adult year-long volunteers and several thousand volunteers a year to train them, equip them in their missionary identity to know, love, and serve the poor. And that's what we do. We know, love, and serve the poor on the streets of Denver and now Philadelphia and our 
Christ in the City family all over the country and even some places around the world, and they show up consistently. Uh, the way we've been phrasing it recently, and I've loved it, is the poor are not a problem to be fixed, but a person to encounter. I love it. It, it takes me immediately to the Baltimore Catechism and then the Gospel of Matthew when they say, Lord, when did we encounter you and not do this for you? Or those that did, they said, Lord, when did we encounter you and, and do this for you? And our Lord said, when you did this for the least among you, you did this for me. And so we're, we're called to serve him. And in the Baltimore Catechism, very explicitly, it says we are called to know him, to love him, and to serve him. And so yeah. to know the poor, to love the poor, to serve the poor, uh, it's really a call to know, love, and serve our Lord in them. Absolutely. And and you see that and it's like, it's this like beautiful double, like double encounter. It's like we bring Christ to the poor and they bring Christ to us. Yeah. Right. I, I love and it. that's the beauty of it. I love it. So here's here's the $65,000 question, though, because a lot of our listeners are going to be inspired by this and say, I want to get involved, but it might not be with Christ in the city. And it sounds like yeah. training's an important part of this, that, you know, not everybody can just go onto the streets and say, all right, I'm going to go minister then to those who are on the streets. You, you kind of have to know what you're no. doing. But what are some practical things that for those that aren't going to be able to get that training, aren't going to be able to participate in a program like Christ in the City, what can we do to help from where we're at right now? Yeah, I think it starts, Adam, with just reframing our mindset of who are the poor and what do they need, right? Um, because I, you look at some of John Paul II's documents and encyclicals, and he talks about it. He said, we are all called to be missionaries no matter where you are. Maybe you're one of your listeners from a small town, right? I'm from Nebraska. We have a lot of, have a lot of family and friends in the small towns, and they're even living Christ in the city's mission daily by encounter, right? Our ministry is a ministry of encounter. So it's really knowing where's your Calcutta, like Mother Teresa talked about. If you're a mother and you have three kids under five, it would be irresponsible to come volunteer with us on the streets every day. Right. You must take care of your family, but knowing that that's your that's your mission field. But also we're still called to serve in those unique, unique ways. So first, just accepting our own mission field and believing that you're called to be a missionary to your family first. Right. Your neighbors, maybe college students being it to their their roommates and fellow classmates. But then. When we do go for those extraordinary moments of service to the homeless or poor, unless you're in a unique situation like a year-long missionary, the big thing is going with yourself, right? Going with yourself, offering the one gift that no one can repay, and that is your time and your presence. Um, I think the only training we ever need to give is the example that uh, Mary and John at the foot of the cross gave to us. Right. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, in his worst moment, in the saddest moment, most full of suffering and pain and agony hanging on the cross, Mary and John, had, they didn't need to say the perfect thing. They could do nothing to ease Christ's pain, to ease this agony he's going through, but they were present. And I can imagine what that did for our Lord, knowing that he wasn't alone. Right? And of course he knows that. But in that moment, that's that's the model we're called to serve the poor with. So whether you have time to go volunteer to soup kitchen, a homeless shelter, 
or if you're just at a stoplight, just happened yesterday to me, and it happens all the time to our missionaries, just rolling down the window. If you don't have anything, just saying, hey, my name's Blake. What's your name? You know, you'd be amazed at how much that means to the poor. Wow. Well, that's beautiful. Uh, Blake, where can our listeners go if they would like some more information on Christ in the City? Yeah, if you want to contribute and join in this mission, jump on our website, www.christincity.org. And there you're going to find great training videos on how to make care kits for your family or yourself to pass out to the homeless, how to deepen your encounters and, and just enjoy and like embrace the service to the poor, as well as just more on our missionary life and the formation. Uh, and if you want to support us, please join us in this mission. I mean, you can find that all on our website. Well, Blake, I look forward to the opportunity to meet you on Mission Way at the SEAT Conference, and I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And listeners, I want to ask you, please join me in praying for Blake and his team and the work that they do, especially as they are going to be heading into our region and bringing some of that work here in the month of January. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Hail to body, truly born. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail, true body, truly born of the Virgin Mary mild, truly offered, racked and torn, on the cross for all defiled, from whose love pierced sacred side flowed your true blood's saving tide. Be a forte sweet to me in my death's great agony. O my loving, gentle one, sweetest Jesus, Mary's Son. Amen. Our catechist question for today stems from something I said at the beginning of the show about just searching for truth and wanting to find the truth and encounter our Lord who is the truth. But with all the books out there, um, how do you know if something is free from doctrinal and moral error? Well, there's a Latin word you should look for at the beginning of the book, usually somewhere around where the Library of Congress information is. Do you know what that word is? It's a Latin word. All right, that word is imprimatur. Now, let's be very clear. Imprimatur is not an endorsement of a book. Imprimatur simply means let it be printed. Uh, it's given when in the Roman Catholic Church permission required by canon law and granted by a bishop for the publication of any work on Scripture or in general any writing containing something of a peculiar significance to religion, theology, or morality. Now, are authors required to seek the imprimatur? No, they're not. But uh, if the book is ever to be used or distributed in a church or catechetical program through a parish or church, it, it must have the imprimatur. You also might see something in there, the nihil obstat, uh, which is another Latin phrase. And that's, you know, I, I kind of nerd out on some of this Latin stuff, if I'm being honest here. Um, and that that's another one that before it goes to the bishop to get the imprimatur, it receives that from someone who's assigned to review the work. That person is known as the censor deputatus or the deputy censor. Again, looking for doctrinal error in the work. If he doesn't find any, they uh, grant the nihil obstat, which translates nothing stands in the way. Now, oddly enough, in a religious order, if a member of a religious order writes a book, they submit it to their superior, and he would, or he or she would, put the uh, indication imprimi potest. It is able to be printed. Now, all of these things are good and helpful. Again, though, they they don't serve as an endorsement of a book. You can uh, be free of error and 
not particularly be useful, or you could be free of error and be very, very useful. So where are some good places to start? Maybe it's been a while since you've read a book and you're looking for a good Catholic book to read. Well, turn no further or farther uh, than the saints. If you want to, if it's been a while since you've read a good Catholic book, I have a few from the saints I would recommend you check out. Uh, the Story of a Soul, St. Therese's uh, beautiful book that she was actually, um, if I remember correctly, she didn't set out to write a book or even write anything, but her superior instructed her to write down about her spiritual life. And so this is what came of that. Um, Story of a Soul, St. Therese, The Little Flower. Another great book, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas A. Kempis. I, you know, there's nothing like this book, if, especially men listening. If it's been a while since you've had something clean your clock and you need to uh, be reined in here or uh, reminded of who you are and where you stand in relationship with God, Imitation of Christ is one of my favorites for that. It is a, just a fantastic book by Thomas A. Kempis. True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. Oh, my goodness. St. Louis de Montfort, probably one of the best writers on the Holy Rosary in the history of the Holy Rosary. And here's the best part. If you read True Devotion to Mary and then you do the total prep or the preparation for total consecration that's usually found in the appendix of the book, you're going to get not only True Devotion to Mary, but you're going to get a healthy serving of Thomas A. Kempis's imitation of Christ. And so it's like a good one, two, combination. If you haven't made your Marian consecration, this would be the book to get right now to read and then get ready to make that consecration. You have a couple dates coming up in December, December 8th, the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, and then December 31st, actually January 1st, um, the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God. One last one for you here from good old St. Francis de Sales, Introduction to the Devout Life. You know, this is Roadmap to Heaven. We're all trying to grow in holiness. We're trying to become saints, and maybe you're new to this. That's okay. St. Francis de Sales has you covered. He's got an introduction to the devout life. It's a fantastic book as well. All of these you can find pretty much at any Catholic bookstore. You can even usually find PDF copies of them on the Internet if you look around. Um, Just wonderful works. We're going to take a, a little break here to get you one more check of the weather, and then Patty Schneier will be with us for the Daily Dose of Encouragement. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Memorare to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in your power, I fly unto you and beg your protection. Despise not, O foster father of the Redeemer, my humble supplication, but in your bounty hear and answer me. Amen. This week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, Patty Schneier is bringing us encouragements for those who are struggling in their marriage. And Patty, this has been a beautiful theme this week, especially with such a difficult topic. And I look forward to what we will discuss today. Well, we're going to, again, hopefully as a community of believers here on Covenant Network, let's all be praying for those who are struggling in their marriage. Maybe you do this already. But I have written a way of the cross, uh, meditations on the stations of the cross, particularly for those who are struggling in marriage. And I'm going to just share those with you over the next three days. Uh, It's a lot to go through 14 stations. But maybe when you're praying the stations of the cross or if you are struggling in your marriage, 
Put yourself into these stations and start letting this maybe be a, a balm of healing for you or a help in your prayer. So the first station, Jesus is condemned to death. Just, just little prayer at that station. Lord, do not let me condemn my spouse with my words today. Do not let me condemn our marriage to divorce. Do not let me condemn my spouse with false accusations. There's so much to ponder with that whole word of Jesus is condemned to death. Pray that perhaps for your marriage. Secondly, Jesus takes up his cross. Maybe you can Pray this prayer, Lord, as you willingly embraced your cross and the road that lay in front of you, give us the courage and strength to walk this road of marriage counseling, healing, and reconciliation. It's going to be a long, hard road of work and sweat and pain and dying to self. So give us both the grace to embrace this road and be willing to walk it. Third station, Jesus falls the first time. Maybe pray this when you think about that station. Lord, we fall all the time and we have constant setbacks. We get angry and hurt over the littlest of things. Do not let setbacks discourage us. Help us to get back up after every fall. Give us the grace to run to the sacrament of reconciliation every time we fall so as to continue this journey. Fourth station, Jesus meets his mother. Blessed mother, just as you accompanied your son along the way, accompany us. Help us feel your maternal love and know that we are never alone. Mary, undoer of knots, untie all the knots that prevent us from loving each other. Again, these are just some prayers that I have written for anyone who's struggling in their marriage. I've written this way of the cross. I think, Adam, you'll be able to give people how they can get this. We're going to unpack some more throughout the week. Again, if you're struggling in your marriage, know that we are praying for you. If you would like to pray with these Stations of the Cross as we go through them, we will make them available to you at ourcatholicradio.org. Click on the Programs tab and then on Daily Dose of Encouragement, and we will have them posted there. And till tomorrow, Patty, I want to thank you for walking us through these stations today. Early this morning, I was reading a uh, recounting by a former Navy SEAL of the training that they went through, and um, one quote jumped out at me from that, well, from, from his words. Part of the training was suffering, and he emphasized the word was. Part of the training was suffering, brutal suffering, and yet all of that was nothing compared to to the challenges that they would face. You know, that applies to us. So we go through life sometimes thinking we don't want to suffer. We want the comfortable chair. We want to put our feet up. We just want to relax. We want to unwind. We need to, uh, you know, step back, de-stress. And, I, you know, I have those days myself. But if we're trying to go through life escaping suffering, the cross stands as a reminder that, the path to heaven, you know, we're going to have to carry our own particular cross. And our Lord tells us that. Pick up your cross. I love that hymn, Take Up Your Cross, the Savior Said. We usually only hear it during Lent, but it's a beautiful hymn. So uh, on this kind of gloomy day, I, I've been doing my best to kind of keep myself pumped up this morning with some good music and some good conversation. Uh, 
But I want to remind myself that, you know, life is going to include suffering. It's part of the training to get to heaven. And one day that suffering, God willing, if we're in heaven, that suffering will be no more. That suffering will be gone and it will be the joy of the beatific vision. But if we refuse to suffer in this life, we turn away from God's plan, then we may very well have an eternal life of suffering in store for us. I can't say with any certainty. I don't know what's in store for you. I don't know even what's in store for me because as much as I have my good days, I have my bad days. I have my days that I end up needing to go to confession too. I have had those times in my life. And I mean, they were very difficult times where I would say to myself, I'd let that voice of Satan really come in and say, Adam, you know, you keep bringing this back to the confessional. Are you ever really going to be free of the sin? So why bother? Why bother to come back to confession? Why bother to fight this? You know you're going to lose. And yet having that humility to say, Lord, I know I'm going to lose, and I'm sorry I have to keep coming back here with the same exact thing. Yeah, it's unpleasant. It's not fun. It's suffering in a way, but it's suffering that's necessary to get to heaven, swallowing our pride sometimes. So do a little fasting. You know, in times of suffering, do a little fasting. It's, it, it's kind of counterintuitive. You know, during times of suffering, you might want to do something to bring comfort. I think in times of, of suffering, sometimes I like to take on a little bit more and say, all right, if we're going to suffer, we're really going to use the suffering and we're going to grow closer to our Lord in it. It's a challenge for me. So that is, that's all I'm going to say about that. Regarding the Stations of the Cross that we were just talking about with Patty, we are going to do our best to get those up on the website this morning. I imagine we'll have them up today for sure, but to get those up this morning. And uh, so visit ourcatholicradio.org later today. And if they're not up in print, you can, of course, listen to them again on the Daily Dose of Encouragement podcast. You can listen to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast again. You can share that with family and friends alike. Uh, get that wherever you get your podcast. Just search Roadmap to Heaven by Covenant Network. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to talk about Fatima. Did you know tomorrow is the anniversary of the Miracle of the Sun, the largest crowd to ever witness a miracle? The Miracle of the Sun in 1917, October 13th, 105 years ago. It's an amazing thing. We're going to be talking about that and more. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. You know, i got to go back to Fatima for a second. I think that's another reason the Blessed Mother asks us, to pray the rosary is that in time of suffering, maybe instead of trying to alleviate the suffering, but in trying to make sense of it, slowing down and praying the rosary is a great aid to me. In fact, someone described it like holding the Blessed Mother's hand and holding my rosary in my hand lately has been exactly that. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven today. Pray your rosary.